Section two of G. K. Chesterton in the Open Road. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. G. K. Chesterton in the Open Road by G. K. Chesterton. Broken backed history. The proposal that English schools should permit the teaching of the history of England is a daring one, and open to many objections. The chief difficulty is that English history has, so to speak, a broken backbone. It consists of two almost disconnected parts. One begins when the first soldier came from Rome. The second begins when the last papal legate went back to Rome in practical education the difference between the two periods is this that the second part is mainly taught in the wrong sense but the first part is taught with no sense at all macaulay on the stuart quarrel is like a barrister before a law court he is staringly on one side but for all that he is splendidly on the spot hallam on the middle ages is merely like a baby before a babylonian hieroglyphic he has not even the remotest notion of what it was all about macaulay with his strong legal rhetoric and strong passion for parliaments might really have played a great part in the scenes of puritan or jacobite tumult he describes hallam in the middle ages would have been put into the care of some specially mild monks as a hopeless idiot for the second half of our history we have at least half of the truth for the first half we have none of it this curious break in the time of the Tudors can be illustrated in anything, in the newest newspaper or magazine. I saw recently a popular encyclopedia issued by one of the great newspaper trusts, which we call the Yellow Press. It contained a series of portraits of all the kings of England. The portrait of Henry VIII was from Holbein's masterpiece, and all the kings afterwards were rendered fairly correctly and credibly, just as if they had been real men there however rudely reproduced was the sensitive stiffness of the great puritan charles i and the lugubrious humour of that very catholic sceptic charles the second there was the apoplectic ardour starting eyes and peering nose of the poor old idiot george the third there the flushed fullness of the fine looks that made the brief but real popularity of george the fourth all these were live men drawn well or badly by other live men but behind henry the eighth there was not only no attempt at accuracy but no attempt even at imagination the two kings before henry the eighth with their narrow sneering faces did faintly convey the morbidity of the fifteenth century the brave madman richard the third and the mean madman henry the seventh but beyond that everything was not only invention but invention without an idea by the common report of friends and foes edward the fourth was one of the handsomest men in england no one will gather this fact from the picture it will at once be replied that portraiture was in a primitive stage and that in some cases no medieval portraits exist this is true but even what is known is never used on seals and coins and such things the medieval artists with admirable prudence generally represented the king with his visor down the identity was shown as it was shown in battle on the shield or crown or crest or coronet that is the artist used the art of heraldry 
which was then in its prime and not the art of portraiture which was then in its infancy i should not have blamed the compilers of this encyclopedia if they had imitated mr e v lucas and the wisdom while you wait series mr lucas exhibited some seven or eight eminent statesmen all looking exactly alike in motor caps coats and goggles i should not have blamed the encyclopedists if they had shown all the medieval kings looking exactly alike with their helmets shut nor should i have blamed them if they had reproduced a few of the painful and imperfect profiles drawn at that period nor should i have blamed them nay i should have rejoiced with them if they had tried to make up the medieval kings intelligently out of their own heads if they had tried to suggest the bony hulking height of edward i or the restless bristly bullet head of henry the second as they are quite vividly conveyed in the contemporary chronicles and traditions but they have done none of these things in stepping into the middle ages they step as they feel into a world of unreality and impotence and they have simply done nothing at all their pictures of medieval kings are not ancient effigies or modern fantasies or tortured traditions or wild reconstructions they are simply nothing at all not even lies i will give only one instance of the difference in the treatment of the two periods suppose the portrait of edward the sixth had shown him in an eton collar and a top hat most readers of the encyclopedia would have known it for an anachronism suppose he had been shown in the attire of two hundred years earlier in a powdered wig and a three-cornered hat most educated people would still have known that this was not the dress of the son of henry the eighth now turn in our popular encyclopedia to the remarkable portrait of king stephen the head of king stephen that very obscure warrior who first broke the simple succession of the norman dukes in england is quite obviously the head of some halberdier at the execution of mary queen of scots he has the burnished and brimmed helmet curving into two horns like a crescent that was one of the latest ornaments of the renaissance he has the grave pointed and well-trimmed beard of the sixteenth century to give a twelfth-century fighter like stephen a helmet and beard like that is much more absurd than giving henry the eighth a billycock it is literally twice as absurd as giving him a three-cornered hat stephen was historically much further off that sort of steel hat than henry was from a modern bowler but the periods and changes between us and henry we feel as vivid and recent things we remember them as we do the female fashions that have passed and perished in our time but the periods and changes between henry and stephen we do not realize at all and in the teaching of most english history we seem quite to forget that a considerable time after all passed between the eleventh century and the sixteenth this part of english history is not taught well or badly it is simply not taught at all there is one very short way of putting the best explanation of this historical imbecility through all this earlier period the history of england was the history of europe now the modern english always try to tell the history of england so as to leave europe out they say for instance that in the american war of independence we were conquered by washington a very typical english aristocrat they always leave out the fact that we were conquered by a typical french aristocrat the republican lafayette thus they say truly enough 
that nelson was making magnificent war on the french at trafalgar they always leave out that he was fighting not against the french but against the french revolution they wish to keep out of european politics now the england of the middle ages cannot be kept out of european politics because it had no other politics told as the story of an island alone in an enormous sea the story makes no sense william the conqueror must be made into a mere pirate but he was not the promise made by the confessor the oath sworn by herald the banner blessed by the pope were all parts of a real european feeling that this island should be brought back into the circle of latin civilization richard coeur de leon must be made a mere idler and romantic scallywag like the boy who runs away to the sea but he was not he was simply a soldier going to the front for all christendom was then one country and the enemy was on its borders that he happened to be a better soldier than he would have been a politician was his misfortune and not his fault many of the coldest politicians philip augustus for instance went to the front with him king john must be represented as a mere cringing slave spy and anti-patriot when he gives up his crown to the pope but he was not who is merely a statesman using one of the ordinary expedients of contemporary statecraft putting his whole case into the hands of the supreme european tribunal then universally acknowledged but in english history as now taught a child must not be allowed to know that france and rome and palestine were important places to his forefathers we teach history on the principle of what i believe has been called splendid isolation it has already made darkness of the past and it will probably make disaster of the future end of section two end of g k chesterton in the open road by g k chesterton